Welcome to Backyard Philosophy, a podcast where a couple friends grab some cold ones, sit around the fire, and talk about science, philosophy, and history. Crack one open, sit back, and get a good laugh as we discuss everything from automation to why the meaning of life is 42. talk about soil orders. Humans, we need to organize everything. We need to put it into a box so we can characterize it, so we can, maybe it's not the best box, but well, we're going to put it in a box anyway. <laughs> so there's 12 soil orders and they're kind, they each have their own characteristics. Alpha sols are fertile soils with clay and subsurface. These are mostly forest soils, right? They're pretty decent. Um, they have a lot of clay and there's organic matter on top. Uh, andesols are one of my favorites. Volcanic ash is one of the primary drivers, the parent material of this soil. They have a very dark color. And if you know you're in andesol soil, when you grab some of the soil and you can bring it up to your ear and you kind of pinch it between your fingers and roll it, you can hear the glass kind of grinding. Uh, I don't know what you, yeah, grinding when you pinch and rub it near your ears, left over from the volcanic ash. These are very productive soils. Eritosols, the easiest soils to guess where these are. These are dry most of the year. Subsurface, they have salts and silica. Not very good for agriculture. These are your desert soils. Your entosols are recently created soils that any soil that does not fit into another category is an entosol. It's normally steep, rocky terrain. They could be in river valley deposits. These are young soils. Soils freshly run off from a stream, glacier. Pretty much if you're not sure or if it's a young soil and it doesn't fit in any other category, it's going to be an entosol. Another cool one, gelosols. These are cold climate soil. Supports only 0.4% of the world population. There's almost no decomposition that goes on in gelosols. It's you know usually frozen, and they usually have a permafrost layer two to four feet deep. So not very like deep. Like Antarctica and Greenland, I guess. Yeah, not very deep. Most of it's frozen. Not a lot of people even live on these soils. Histosols, these are soils that are composed mainly of organic matter, peat, muck, wetlands, just any kind of bog that you're picturing. And one of the things that's essential for decomposition is oxygen. And if you're covered in water all year round, you actually don't have as much uh, chance of decomposition covered in water. Just like how all the logs that fell off the ships in Lake Michigan are still preserved. If they were left on land, they probably would have been decomposed, even though they were cut down 100, 200, 300 years ago. But they're still here because the, the water preserved them more because there's little oxygen down there. Inceptosols is a minimal horizon development. So like we talked about the solar horizons, you have your organic layer, and then as you go down, you kind of get less rooting zone. There's no clear um, difference between all of those. You know, that's all kind of the same color, all not really... A, ton of nutrients on top. Um, these are also young soils. They're not as young as entosols, just not as developed as other soils. So this is like your teenager of soils. And then you have mollusols, and this is your grassland ecosystem kind of prairie. Very productive, generally dark soils. This is where you have those 25-30 foot grass growing. Just generally kick open the kick off first you can't really get to them because you got to kick off like a thick mat of grass then you can kind of see some of the darker soils those are mollusols these are grassland ecosystem pretty good soils then you have oxisols 
think uh, oxide, like highly weathered soils. These are generally in intertropical regions. These are pretty much only found like uh, kind of in the rainforest and stuff. Rich in iron and aluminum oxide. It's uh, a lot of erosions taking place. Spodosols, acidic soils that have a subsurface accumulation of hummus. So there's a lot of decomposition, usually a little bit wetter. Ultisols, these are acidic forest soils that have relatively low fertility. Usually there's a lot of weathering, uh, a lot of red clay. Think of the south, southeast, right? Like you get all that red clay that everyone always talks about. Oh yes, I am more than familiar with that. Yeah, those are ultisols. They're, they're acidic soils and uh, just have a lot of iron. Finally, vertisols. These are clay-rich soils. Because they have so much clay, they shrink and swell. So you'll have seen this on the surface and compacted soils that uh, in the summer it dries out and you see these big cracks. Well, that's what it looks like in the ground because of they go through, they hold water for a long time, then it takes a long time for the water to get in, even once it's there. So they go through the shrinking and swelling. This makes it really hard to build houses on. You know, your soil is constantly changing shape and expanding and com contracting. And pretty much, I don't have any reason to tell you guys this, except for the fact that to bring attention to that soil is different everywhere you go and that everything we do, humans classify. But I just kind of wanted to talk about how, we, even though we covered it in the formation of soil, where you are in the world, your soil is going to be a different soil type. And each of these soil orders has a subsystem or subclassification for whatever area you're in. This kind of puts you in the right track of saying, okay, this is kind of the main characteristics. So now going to talk about the enemies of soil. Oh boy, we are going deep down the rabbit hole, aren't we? Right. Nothing we haven't really talked about too much before, but the first one that I have to bring up contractually is uh, forest fires, right? Forest fires, they're a very intense forest fire, and this isn't all forest fires. This is just super intense, super hot fires. When they get too hot, we call it nuking. They nuke the soil, and what it's doing is it gets so hot, it kills all the bacteria and fungi in that soil. Fire cleanses all. So it essentially becomes useless. This is all under the guise of soil degradation, which is a term that people use to refer to pretty much anything from overuse to something bad happening, overgraze, whatever. Erosion. Erosion is how soil is formed. Erosion is also <laughs> how soil is destroyed. <laughs> Humans can accelerate or decelerate erosion through different management practices, but I think it's important for people to realize that erosion is a natural process. You know, we should stop erosion when it's man-made, but a lot of people think we can stop erosion, and that's not an actual thing that we can do. We can, prov we can decelerate erosion. We can slow erosion. But erosion is natural. Now, there's flash floods, right, that come through and just take away everything, and we can slow that down. But that was a part of the ecosystem, and that's how a lot of alluvial soil, you know, those big floodplain soils get deposited. So we will never stop erosion, which I think is something that people need to understand. Erosion creates as well as destroys, like we talked about in the Insanity podcast. Well, we could just blow up the moon, Nick, and therefore we wouldn't have tides anymore. That would help. We wouldn't have tides. We still have rain though shh don't poke holes in my plan and, and if you <laughs> okay you could put up some big tarps there we go i like that idea 
if you've ever been yeah if you've ever been in the woods and you've seen a gate you can look that's on a dirt road you can look at that gate look underneath it and look around it and you can see that the soil underneath that gate will be a little bit taller than the soil around it because it doesn't have rain which is a form of erosion constantly chipping away at it interesting next time i go hiking i'll have to check so compaction now this is a big one i have a question for you mike what do you think causes more damage to soil a bulldozer or an elk an elk yeah do you know why that is uh i imagine a bulldozer just does one area an elk has quite a large migrating area so i imagine it has to do something with that kind of you're 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 pretty much there and it's kind of a trick question that everyone would guess bulldozer. But a bulldozer has treads, so it spreads its weight out on a larger surface area. Bulldozers do about 10 uh, PSI, 10 pounds of pressure per inch on the soil. Every time an elk puts its foot down, it's coming down with a force of 138 pounds per square inch. That soil compaction is not good for the soil. What it's doing is taking all those macropores and micropores that soil that a water goes in, stays in, and hold, or holds for plants and bacteria, and crushing it, collapsing it. So it makes it very difficult for water to get in there and penetrate because it's all so compacted now. It went from a porous soil to a compact soil. Yep. And different times of year, soil is more or less prone to compaction. So in the wintertime, when everything's frozen, very little danger of compaction. In the summertime, when it's completely dried out and there's very little water in it, also not a lot of danger of compaction. But in the springtime, that's where a lot of the danger of compaction comes from. The raining, season, the raining seasons in uh, North America. Yeah, it's all wet, and so your soil's saturated, and when you squish it down, you know, just think about, uh, you know, you're outside. If you're going to try and throw some dirt at your friend and you pick up a handful of dirt, and you, and you chuck it, and it scatters everywhere. But in the springtime, you can kind of mold that dirt into whatever you want because it's so wet, and then it may stay in that, that form. There's not going to be the space and the micropores, macropores that there was previously, and it's all, uh, it's all messed up. And that's why landowners, farmers, try to avoid driving tractors on their ground in the springtime, or if they do, they use, you know, that's when you see all those big... Uh, the big tires and stuff that's really spread out. You're putting your surface area over a very large amount of area so that your actual impact on the ground is a lot less. Now you're talking my language, engineering. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways around that, right? So in the southeast U.S., for logging, well, it's, it rains there a lot, and they have flat flat ground, which we don't have out west. We don't really log flat ground anytime except the summer, or if you're in an area where it freezes in the winter. But out there, that's not really an option. You just have wet ground. So they'll put, uh, like, platforms down with these giant rubber-tired or treaded machines that are already doing a really good job of spreading out that surface area. They'll put these platforms down that help them out even more. So there's very little impact on the ground because you're going to come back and plant this ground with whatever your crop is and if it's all compacted there's no point in uh, trying to plant it because they really can't grow you'll see this um, if you're ever out in the woods and you see them planting you know trees or whatever most kind of plants and you can see where they plant right up on the edge of a road or a trail where people regularly walk those plants just don't do very well it's because those roots have to break through compacted soil and not every plant is like a, it has a root that can penetrate bedrock especially in the first or second growing year you need to build up resources to do something like that to bring it a little bit home i imagine all of us at one 
point have taken a shovel and try to dig some dirt there's that hard dirt and then there's soft dirt and there's ones we like and ones we don't like and compaction doesn't just happen to occur on the surface too so if a farmer is plowing his field at the same depth every year he can develop a hard pan like just a little bit below that because it's constantly being crushed but everything above it is being tilled up which is why they for the most part everyone uses different um, they change the depth of their blades and discs and stuff in order to stop the creation of that hard pan that prevents water drainage which if it doesn't drain flood and standing water is not what you want something we hear about in the news all the time is contamination so usually we talk about like uh think the super fun sites in portland used to be big industrial parks and shipping and they went out of business but the soil's all contaminated and who's going to pay for it chemicals that are left in the soil usually petrochemicals will remain in the soil for a long time this is something that isn't surprising but it's also we also are learning about this relatively recently i mean in 1955 motor oils for cars on the back had a little thing on it that said how to dispose of properly and it was dig in your backyard put some gravel in there and then you pour your motor oil into the ground and your uh, lawn will clean the oil that sounds very weird to me not only that but that's not true (laughs) (laughs) all right good so don't do that another one you know everyone's heard of salt of the earth soil salinity when soil becomes too saline yeah, for, to bring it to history, I know that was an ancient military tactic to salt the, the, the farmland so they couldn't grow food. Exactly. And the problem from idiocracy with the Gatorade. <laughs> but they need electrolytes. Plants like electrolytes. And then they just added water and enough water to flush it out, and then it worked. But that's a problem that happens. You know, fields can be, get uh, too much salt in them, or areas can get salt build up. Salt is produced naturally. There's areas in eastern Oregon that are just like, I forget what they call them, but salt just comes up, and they're like little microsites that attract these certain endangered birds. So that can that's something that occurs naturally and there's areas that are adapted to it but it can spread if there's a bunch of rain wash all that salt downstream and suddenly it's somewhere where people don't want it nothing stationary everything moves yep and then another one it's not really an enemy but it's something that can be is soil temperature so you want your soil to be at a certain temperature you know if too hot is bad and too cold is bad you want it to be productive without getting to either of the extremes. The more cover you have, so if you leave a lot of uh, vegetation left on your field or a lot of, if as a forester, we leave a lot of slash in our units, our soil temperature will remain cooler because it's more shade, right? There's stuff underneath it, which can be good, if you, especially if you live somewhere really hot. You want to keep your soil you don't want to get it too hot. You want to keep it kind of cool. Cooler soils will also hold more water, evaporate less. Reactions occur slower in colder conditions. And then soil also filters rainwater. So anything that comes downstream or comes down the street that gets into the soil, usually chemical runoff, or not chemical runoff. Oil and dirt, uh, sludge, and any human waste. The oil, yeah. Like your, yeah, the first rain on the streets when you see that kind of rainbow on on the water, that's all the oil and gas that gets leaked from cars that either makes its way into a storm drain or makes its way into the soil. So that's... Can have, that can have a negative effect on soil, obviously. But soil also does a decent job of cleaning it off in small numbers like that, right? Not like pouring five quarts of uh, oil into your grass. <laughs> Please don't do that. 
So that's kind of a big overview on soil. There's a lot that's really boring in there, and I apologize. This is probably one of the more boring podcasts. I just wanted to bring attention to soils. I just think they're important that people don't realize. Nick, do you do you soil? Do I soil? Soil myself? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that was my pun. <laughs> I guess. I, I'm regularly covered in dirt, so. <laughs> you... <laughs> Duche of turning it around on me. But I think that was a good introduction to 101. Yeah, it's we can go deeper in the future, but a lot of the things we're going to talk about later on and in the past, like Mars, this is kind of a good background, and it's, like I said, agriculture. We need soil to live, and that's something we don't really, most people don't really know a lot about. I didn't know pretty much anything about soil, except soil needs minerals, there's some worms, bacteria, and, uh, well, shit grows in them. Yep, it turns out we need them for pretty much every nitrogen phosphorus cycle. And so even if we didn't grow stuff in soil, it'd still be important for recycling nutrients and creating an atmosphere where we can live. That's good to know. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram, 